Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. All righty, here we go. Mark Redding's Will Schofield. Uh, he's just realised I've been wearing slippers. I've actually worn these every single show we've done, Skate, so good of you to notice. You're looking <laughs> beautiful, though. Uh, bringing you today the Shelter Footy Cast, the Round 16 Review. G'day, Skate. How are you? Very well, Scoey. You've already cracked a shelter, which uh, is timely. Your yes. first for, uh, I guess, the, the potty that we've done this year. You've decided to eight in the morning. It's a bit early, but uh, that's fine. You go for your life. <laughs> Very good. Now, you've come, we're not, we're not going to lie when recording this, you've come straight out of the Frio Dockers game. Yes. You've called that, so we're going to get into that very shortly, but you are here on the Shelter Footy Cast. If you just joined us, we do a review on Mondays, a preview on Thursdays. We get through all the games. We do a West Coast, a Fremantle wrap around, and this week it's going to be very good considering I watched the West Coast game and skate work the Fremantle game. So we're going to get right into it. If you want to find us on socials, find us at Shelter Footycast. You can send us an email at footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. We need your regional footy stories. We've got one later on the show, but if you do have one of those and you want to get in the running for a slab of shelters, send us an email, footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. You can find us on YouTube, listen to us wherever you listen to a podcast, and it's all brought to you by Shelter, a big, big uh, brewery down there by the Busso Jetty. Dan Con's our producer. He's down there for a couple of weeks soon. Dan, the man, is heading down just to uh, make sure he's ensconced in that magnificent uh, establishment, and I can tell you now, the boys at Shelter, given we found out some of his uh, nocturnal activities over the past week or two, he's getting a bit loose, I reckon. He's, this is his mid- mid-season buy, by the sounds of it. What was that word you used? In, in const. Ensconced. In Const. Dan Const in Const. His last name's Const. You like that? I love it. Okay, very good. Let's keep going. Let's get into it. I say we do the big moments of the round first up. Uh, on the way over to the West Coast game, people think, so I put this out on social media, people think that I, one of the boys texted me. I did not speak to a West Coast player or West Coast official. I was contacted by one of the pilots. Well, someone who knew one of the pilots. Engine failure on the flight over for the West Coast Eagles. Now, it doesn't sound like a big deal, or maybe it does sound like a big deal. They lost an engine midair. The pilots, uh, from what I told, 
are trained heavily in this situation. It's like the first thing you have to pass as a as a pilot, you know, emergency procedures. When an engine goes down, what do you do? So they dropped altitude immediately, spoke to some people that were on the plane a bit after. There were some shaky players and staff that don't like flying at the best of time. Because of the COVID restrictions at the moment, they've got the players on charters. So they're not all Virgin 737s or whatever they are. They're on a... What I'm told, like quite an old air- aircraft, a Fokker, Fokker but it was a, rel- a workhorse. Yes. I've heard, which are like a FIFO workhorse, so reliable. But on this occasion, obviously, it doesn't matter what you say if you're at that level and you're sitting there and you get this uh, message from the captain just uttering the words. Fuck yourself in, we've lost an engine. Apparently, which was said pr- pretty much, sit down, strap yourself in, we've lost an engine. So if you don't like flying, it's probably not the greatest. Feeling, I would have thought. Do you like flying? Are you a good? No, I don't mind it, but I'll tell you a very brief story. I was going to Sydney once uh, with my wife, big group of people, and we were in very jovial mood. Uh, it was a work function, having a few wines, yes. and out of nowhere, we've, we're flying, and we dropped for about felt like about five seconds, like a, a literal drop out of the air, and every all the, the cups and everything goes everywhere. Then we stabilise, and the, the silence across the the cabin is is extraordinary. And the captain eventually comes uh, on the, the speaker. Goes, oh, ladies and gentlemen, are just uh, flying at twenty seven thousand feet. How little is it? Just uh, a minute or two ago, it was, I'm not sure if it's American, American or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Pan Am, but anyway, it sounded good. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, just had a little incident. In in in, in parlance of pilots, this is like we we had a puddle in the road, so we dropped a bit. And we're thinking, geez, but it is one of those things where you that was drop. that was immediate uh, fear. Whereas I believe some of the players were still on their their videos, didn't hear it, so they were oblivious to what was happening. Some of them, yeah, correct. So I, I don't know, but anyway, I thought that was worth mentioning off the top. Uh, in the game today, Sunday Sunday's game, Elliot Yo looked to have done a pretty decent hamstring, I think. So he got subbed out midway through the third quarter after a bit of an effort running at full speed. They're the ones you get worried about. When you do a hammy running around, sometimes you can do it changing direction or picking up a ground ball. He did it running flat out, and usually that's a decent hammy. So not a good sign, given he's been in really good form since the bye in the back line. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him, and his body just hasn't been kind to him over the last few years. Now, I don't know if this is something because of his age, the way he's played the game, or just a lack of continuity, but you'd suspect, what are we, if it's a decent hamstring, he's May not play this four. year. That's well, three to four weeks. It takes you towards the back end. What do you do with him? Maybe cotton wool. It could be getting close to that stage. Start playing more youngsters. There's you know guys running around that could potentially you know come into that position in the back line. I think Dom Sheed's done for the year. He's got stress fractures in his feet after being in a moon boot for so long. Um, coming back off a syndesmosis injury, came back and played and looked pretty good when he came and played against Geelong. I think he played his first game. Uh, I think they've shut him down for the year. I think he's done and dusted and he needs to get his body right. Um, so fair enough for that. Uh, what about um, just a bit of a random one for a, for a big moment of the round? There hasn't been too much controversial, but we spoke about it on Thursday. Geelong playing North Melbourne. I completely wrote it off as a game you wouldn't want to watch. That was correct. They, they win by over 100 points. Geelong and it's an absolute bloodbath. Uh, Noble's job at North, is that... Is that by, by all accounts, it sounds like he won't be there. Now, who they get to replace him, they're, they're, they're reportedly making a play for Adam Simpson, North Melbourne. Right. I can't see why Adam would want to go to a club that's in that position, unless he wants to go back to Melbourne. If he does, then 
it, the job would probably be his. So who would want to go back? To well, him? Alistair Clarkson. Why would he want to take over a club that is so bereft of, of talent? And he said he'd only go to a club that'll win a premiership. I think he's modified a bit of that by saying, <laughs> See, yeah, because jobs really aren't, aren't that easy. I mean, <laughs> there are a few jobs that Clarko could possibly put. In. I mean, Essendon won at the weekend, but there's a couple of clubs. But there's only eighteen, and at the moment, North Melbourne is a certainty for well, the most obvious one where they're looking for a coach. But gee, that's a big task. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just think if you're coming in, I think we spoke about it a little bit. If you're coming in, you're a junior coach, and you're coming in to take a list. What is there there? And then that, you know the way they're performing. I saw Kane Corns, who I don't mind a lot of his material to be honest, came out and said, "Why are you lining up and clapping Mitch Duncan Duncan off the off the field?" So I know you'll potentially challenge this. So two fifty games, Mitch Duncan. Um, don't think he was chaired off, but North Melbourne went and lined up and clapped him off. Do you think? Every milestone is worth a clap off from the opposition teams. Now, yeah, shake, no. shake his hand and pat his back and congratulate him. But his two fifty a clap off job, especially if you've just gone out and lost by one hundred and twenty points and completely embarrassed yourself as a football club. Well, depending, I mean, two fifty, it's unlike a hundred or one fifty. I mean, two fifty is getting up there three hundred. We see it quite regularly with clubs do it. Oh, I don't, I don't see any issue with that. I mean, it, no. the, the, the game's done. It's finished. Yes. Um, I think it shows a bit of class from a team that's been belted. So that's not an issue for me. It's more about uh, North Melbourne. Unfortunately, I mean, they're only trailing by a kick at, at quarter time, but they just got completely blown away, which is what we expected. So they're in a world of pain. And as I said, their list for me has got so many holes. Uh, who, as a new coach, where would you start? But the other issue is when Jeff Walsh is doing the review and he's sitting in the coach's box with David Noble, effectively, it's not a good sign for what's to come. Just have your next gulp of, of I wonder, shelter. I wonder what he's reviewing from the coach's box. You know what he's looking at. Now, let's get into it. Richmond defeat West Coast at the MCG today. 35 points. Both pick Richmond. No big deal there. So one from one. Well done, Skate. Um, I think West Coast were good again. They were right with Richmond. Richmond are improving. In fact, probably challenging and getting better and better in that bottom four of the eight type area for Richmond. So they're a decent team. Uh, a lot of West Coast good players stood up. You know, we probably haven't seen that as much for most of this year. Nick Nananui comes back and has a really big game in the ruck. He was distributing, especially in the third quarter where West Coast had a huge comeback. He was tapping it left, right, up, over, doing that, you know, Nick Nananui stuff that only he can do. Tim Kelly, I think, had probably his best game ever for West Coast. He had a big game against, was that the Gabba? It might not have been Brisbane. I think it was St Kilda my last year. Big game. He had 40 and two today. 40 touches, two goals, and was dangerous and was impactful and really looked like that midfielder that West Coast went and, you know, sold a lot of the farm to get. Uh, you know, as, as West Coast people, you'd like to see more of that, but, you know, that's just how it's happened. I thought he played outstanding today, but they go down to a better team in Richmond. No question. And look, I think what we've seen in the past three or four weeks from the Eagles, getting some play, I think the break did them the world of good. Yep. And what we've seen from West Coast, I, I still don't buy into this is going to be a three or four year rebuild. I mean, mm. Collingwood, and we'll get to them, they've shown that you don't have to necessarily go down that path. You have to obviously get the right draft picks, and, and they're doing, through necessity, getting the likes of uh, Zane True, who came in today, to goal, yep. um, getting some games into Red Bazzo, Brady Hoff. All these little pieces won't bear fruit maybe this year or even next year, but I think they'll get to know um, exactly what they've got. Jai Cully in the mix, of course, to, to play some footy. I'm not throwing out West Coast yet. What we've seen against Richmond at the MCG, to get within five goals of them, that's can happen to 
very good sides from from West Coast that they can get rolled to that level. Yeah, correct, especially at the G. So the fact that they were consistent, they were competitive, I think most people will walk away happy. Jamie Cripps, probably his best game for the year as well, three goals to Cripper. Uh, that's probably what I liked was was the senior players standing up. Now, what would be happening inside the walls of West Coast right now? They know they're not playing great footy. They beat Essendon last week, which um, is, a, is a great win, but it's not a you know, fantastic, you know, groundbreaking sort of stuff, but it gives confidence to groups. So just to, um, as a bit of insight, what would be happening in West Coast, they would be, um, you know, showing a lot of clips of what they did well against Essendon to try and get that confidence up. But they would know they've got a lot of work to do still. But it's on the senior leaders and the senior players to show the way for these younger guys. Like, the, you guys like Jamie Cripps, Tim Kelly, he's a senior player now. Nick Nananui, clearly a senior player. They need to show the younger guys, this is what you do. Doesn't matter if you're losing, doesn't matter if... We're up against it. You need to play well every week to be a consistent AFL player. And most of those, you know, Tim Kelly, although some people say his output hasn't been great, he's been a consistent AFL player for a decent amount of time now. Yeah. In brief, Nick Nat took his first mark for the year, took three in time. You're laughing. But uh, they're a better side with him there. That's that's a given. Absolutely. the other thing is, and I'll ask you this, two questions on the run. Who'd be leading the John Warsfold medal at this point? That's a toughie. And do you think the effort to get Liam Baker home and West Coast seems to be the Eagles, seem to be the club over here that had their teeth into Liam Baker more than Fremantle, for instance, that would be – is that a, a target that you think they should pursue wholeheartedly? I, I just think – look, Liam Baker looks like a great player, but he's also that mid-range, midfielder, backman, forward – kind of fits Richmond really well he's correct and there's a you know there's a lot of them at Richmond but he's not Dusty Martin and he's not Luke Jackson and well Shea Bolton for instance he's one that I think gives him that different X factor yeah so look uh, uh, great Baker wants to come home and they can do a deal for not much great but if you've got to go and give away draft picks that are going to bring in more youth I wouldn't be doing it if you're going to have to do that you do it for a Jackson I think Uh, and the second question I think Tim Kelly would be close to leading he's played most games he missed a bit of footy in the middle of the year with COVID but I think he's putting together a nice season. Okay, let's move on from West Coast. A decent game. Fremantle defeats Port Adelaide by eight points. Now, going to let you run point a little bit on this one because I was at the West Coast Fever Grand Final. They well done, up, ladies. They got up and won. Really good win. My first game of netball live. Ever. Really? Yeah. Professional netball, netball yeah. Atmosphere yep. would have been terrific. And, yep. you know, a great result considering they've been through the salary cap drama. Yep. Uh, Dan Ryan, new coach. Outstanding. Um, do you know, Dan, I think, coached another team in Super Netball going back a bit, and they had, a, I think, lost 28 out of 29. So he's come back from the depths. He also appeared on The Price is Right as a contestant. There you go. There's some Puparama <laughs> stat that I've thrown out for you about the West Coast Fever. Did he win? Larry, Larry, uh, Larry Emder? Yeah, yeah Larry I'm not Emder. sure. But uh, anyway, come on down. Fremantle defeat Port Adelaide. How did it go? There used to be a name for the guy up in the booth. They used to they could come on down and go. Yeah, I forget who it was. It wasn't Gary Burgess. He was on... Uh, Catrace. Sorry, Burgess Catrace. That's, that's John Burgess. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we digress a little bit. Out of Freo. Did Freo go well tonight? Freo did really well. Look, and you know what? They were up by the best part of four or five goals at, at three-quarter time. It was just a question of soft kill. They run away with the win, done and dusted. But in the last quarter, their defence was really tested. Charlie Dixon was outstanding, got, went into the ruck, did some really nice things. Um, Rosie was terrific. They got some input inside 50s. And when they're firing, when they've got some real skill in their group, and they got within, I think, a kick and a half of the Dockers, and it took, I think, really, a rundown from Andy Brayshaw, mm. uh, the pressure that he put on to, to turn over a footy, which was, or at least put some pressure on when it was desperately needed, all, all hands were on deck, 
Fremantle needed some leadership, and he was the guy that really stood up. He was absolutely outstanding. It's a good win for Freo in many ways. Most importantly, they were challenged late, and they found a way to win. Uh, top four with a, a bit of a break now, a bit of breathing space. That is important because they've got a tough run to come, and I still think they'll make top four like you, but a victory like that, maybe in two months we'll look, look in hindsight and go, gee, that was important when it comes to the ladder. Some big highlights as well. I've seen a few highlights coming through. There was multiple. Oh, I think it's the best game in more recent times I've been to. We saw uh, two outstanding marks that, well, may not win mark of the year, but when you look at what Go Mitch Georgiades did, yeah. outstanding. It was just terrific. And Hayden Young acrobatically taking a grab. Um, one of them might get mark of the round, but they both deserve to be uh, the top 10 marks this year so far, in my opinion. Wow. And then goal-wise, Caleb Sarong, lucky enough to call his goal left full forward pocket. It was similar to a goal he kicked against Geelong in the wet going back a year or two ago. It was wet that night, but he just beautifully... Gold from the pocket, and that showed you his class. And Charlie Dixon, again, check side, other end of the ground. Either of those could easily qualify for goal of the, the, the round. But, yeah, had plenty of highlights. High-scoring game. It was one of the better games I've seen at Optus in the last year or two. Yeah, so, I mean, how do Fremantle get it done in the end? Is it is it a Fremantle game and Port Adelaide just play well? It sounds like it was, uh, you know, well played by Freo. Lob kicks five, of course, his career best. Absolutely. And he was, too, hey, look, he was good. He got some... Great service early. He could have had six, really. But um, we don't see it often enough from Rory Lobb, but that is the type of work that we know he can do. He's got a, a beautiful frame, and if he can get into position, take the marks that we know he can, and he got his confidence up early. I think he's one of those players, if he if he finds the footy early, gets an early goal or two, he can see it in his body language, and that was the case today. Um, unfortunately, Matt Tabiner went off the ground with uh, a bit of a... Oh, maybe it was a hammy or back-related, so they subbed him out of the match. So right. I doubt whether he'll be right for the Saints, although there'll be a question mark. He won't be ruled out just yet. And quite interestingly, after the match, when the three players that didn't get any games, or Bailey Banfield did get some time, but yeah. Connor Blakely, in the, I've heard of players injuring themselves in the warm-up. No. He's injured himself in the warm-down. No. Seriously, so he came off limping. So is that because they do they have to do a running session at the end of when you're an emergency sub, not not the sub, but an emergency sub. You don't play in the waffle, and then I think it was by this. Yes, there was no waffle W yesterday, and so buys, and so you he sat there all game, and then you got to go do a running session out in the field, and what do you think? Car for a hammy or something? Something like that. He was oh. limping off. It was uh, quite sad to watch a bloke that's had no luck in running. And let's be honest, he's not going to play much senior footy if this list is fit moving forward. That's in fact, brutal. I suspect he's probably going to be delisted at the end of the year. That's my guess. But if another club comes looking, I mean, 2020, a couple of years ago, there were a couple of suitors, but I think Connor's time is is slowly eking out. And in in contrast, Nathan Wilson plays game 150, and he's had to wait for a fair while as yeah. well. So He's been stuck on 149 for a while. He's been like a batsman on 99, just hasn't <laughs> been able to get that single. But, yeah, well played to him. And, of course, Lukey Ryan, 100th game as well. So their defence, for the most part, was terrific. Their midfield was was good. In fact, they, they deserved to win the game, but they also showed Justin Longmuir that when they could have just fallen over, mm. they showed some resilience. 
Very good. Charlie, were you, you happy with how it went up there, mate? Big yeah, for very, fan. very happy. I've just come from the game. Very happy with it. Big big tick for all the boys, haven't you? you Absolutely. Ash had one of his best games ever. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah a lot of the footy. Two goals. Yeah, I didn't mention him. And he's one of those players that sometimes for me, just I, you call him and you see him. But he, I, I, he, for me, was very good. But there were a couple of moments I mentioned. Brayshaw, leadership-wise. Lob, obviously, with the five goals. But no, they had a lot of contributors. Very good. There's the West Coast and Fremantle wrap. You are here on the Shelter Footy Cast with Mark Reddings and Will Schofield. Let's get through the rest of the round. Brisbane defeat Bulldogs by 41 points in the first game of the weekend. Bit of a bit of a blowout and probably a little bit unknown. We both picked Brisbane, so again, well done. We're I think we're three from three. Pick Fremantle, pick Richmond, pick Brisbane. Didn't quite see much of a win coming out, but. It was at the Gabba, wasn't it? And the Gabba is, they just don't get beaten there by and large. I mean, they've lost some finals up there in recent times. But um, I think the greater concern for Brisbane going forward is the injuries to Zane Zorko and yep. Daniel Rich. And they're two of their really key players. They're, so they're, they're their back flankers. Absolutely. Both of them, right? Distributors. Yep. They, they create. So that's going to be a concern for them. Uh, Charlie Cameron. He's one day. Hopefully, he does it at the MCG. We haven't seen much of him do it on the big stage at the G, but he knows how to to play and get the crowd rolling at, at the Gabba. Because once he gets goal side of an opponent, yeah, good luck. He, he uh, Charlie Cram Cameron, one of the most dangerous players. But we have seen him shut down. He he reminds me of Liam Ryan, right? Liam Ryan, when he's on, is almost unstoppable. It's sort of that. It is mental as much as physical, right? Because they can do it physically all the time, but. They have both been found out. If you play a certain way on them, they can be stopped. So that's what I'd love players like that. I mean, you can't ask for everything, can you? But can he consistently, as you said, on a big stage, have a few few tricks in his toolkit to go, okay, I've got a Dane Rampy on me, right, who's just going to absolutely bump a bar and bash me the whole day. Can I get past Joe Danaher? Can I get past a Hipwood? And they can bash Rampy back like can they get that you know more consistency out of it but I agree I mean he's one of the best players you know that I've played on but also to watch I love watching him he's got Shea Bolton about him doesn't he absolutely and he's 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 got everything the Gabba crowd love him and he's he's a very fine player you talk about players that have shown him down I think in a final was Dylan Grimes who wasn't the ideal matchup in some ways but he also managed just to to claw and force you Charlie have, yeah. in un- uncomfortable positions you gotta have a bit of height just to get him in the air, but you've got to have pace. Like yeah. you, you don't have the pace, you can't bash him because you try to bash him, you'll just run off. So you've got to have a bit of everything. Grimes is a good one there. The last one for this game, Eric Hipwood's push um, of uh, forgetting his name now into the umpire. How did you say it? No, I, it's a strange one, wasn't it? Because um, yeah, you always have to see the incident to, yeah. to explain. I I don't know. Look, there hasn't been anything come out. From the match review officer, to my knowledge, no, that he's been sent straight straight Tri- to, the, yeah. so the straight tri- to the tribunal. So the problem with that is, any time a player gets sent straight to the tribunal, is I don't you, ever you, see them get fined for going when they go to the tribunal. I reckon there was one last year because it's it's almost like they can't put it in a category. Like it's not, you know, all he did was push a player, right? And I know he goes into an umpire, but he hasn't hit anyone high. Um, you can't put it in the usual grading. So I think that's why it's been sent there, rather than the severity of it, because. Again, I realise like getting and pushing a player into an umpire deliberately is a, is a bad thing, but is it on the severe scale? I don't think so. They're running down the fat side of the ground. If you haven't seen it, um, basically Hipwood pushed his opponent straight into an umpire. They clashed. Hipwood kept running, got free in the four line, kicked a goal out of it. 
what is it? Conduct unbecoming. Yeah, I don't see, know. That's so I've, like you know. And then how do you prove his intention? You know, where where's his eyes? Where's he, what's he yeah. thinking? If he just comes in and says, "Look, I never saw the umpire." How do you prove that he he did? And then what's he done? Like what, what's he? What, what is he being fined with? Like what? I haven't seen a case go to the tribunal like this one. Put it no, that way. I think he he walks away with a reprimand, which means absolutely sweet f all. Um, very good game though. I, I did enjoy it in Brisbane play well. Now here we go. St Kilda defeat Carlton by fifteen points. <laughs> Not only did Mark Reddings completely write off the St Kilda football club completely, like just absolutely wrote them off, and will never play finals again in the history of their club. But you've picked Carlton as well. I have gone ahead and picked St Kilda, and did I remind you of it on? Oh, Friday I remind night? you. I'm calling the footy on radio. I get this text from this imbecile at at eight twenty four p.m. You pick Carlton. FYI, and the laughing emoji. I mean, it's like grade three crap from you, Sco. I mean, yes, you picked them. And congratulations. But if we, if we rewind and look at the game in essence, this was, I'm not saying they, sh- they should have won comfortably, but they have butchered the footy in front of goal more than any team. And, of course, I've tipped them. Any team I've seen in recent years. Harry Mackay, now this is a serious question. Uh, Charlie Kerno, very inaccurate. But Harry Mackay... Uh, there has to be something done with his technique. He's snapping goals from positions where the drop punt, you'd think, They've is... been doing it all year, though. I, and, it, and I reckon they get together. So Kerno does it as well. So they've now thought themselves out of the classic technique of just going back and kicking a straight footy. And, and I agree with you. I, I'd take a bit of piss out of you that... You know, he didn't get anywhere near tipping this game right. But you're you're on the money. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't worry. I know I've got mine coming later. Oh. So, but you're right. Just oh, like, you know, guys like Jason Dunstall speak about it all the time. He's one of the great all-time goal kickers. The, the goals have not changed. The ball has not changed in 30 years. If you look back, Tony Lockett, Jason Dunstall, Lance Franklin. Lance Franklin doesn't snap him from 30. He kicks drop punts all over the ground. So, I mean, And Harry Mackay, it was the right forward pocket, he, and he kicked it out of bounds on the full. He went check side, which is a difficult kick. Yeah. I mean, if you're on the boundary, you get, get the angles. You've seen – yeah, correct. And you've seen them kick them as well. Like, it's not like he doesn't kick them. Like, they can kick them. But I think what actually proves the point is Charlie Curnow, 45 out, no angle. I think he kicked it on the full, kicking a drop punt. So, So – Look, they're going to kick the snaps and they're going to miss the snaps. That's how they go. And, you know, I'm sure they're practicing them. But it actually is taking away from their confidence kicking a straight drop punt. And, and like Charlie Kernow kicked about three of them that looked like they came off his shin. Yeah. It As was a four. You can't be doing that. It could be costly for Carlton, seriously, because that loss to St. Kilda. And, look, the Saints were, were terrific. Got to give it to them. Marvel Stadium. They're one of those teams when they do turn up. Oh, yeah. And you can <laughs> always tell. The first 10 minutes you knew, <laughs> yeah. you knew that Carlton were going to be under the pump to try and stay with St. Kilda. That being said, the Blues were had their moments. Um, unfortunately for St. Kilda, the injuries late in the game. Hunter Clark... Dan Butler, the collision, the blood. The, oh, it was terrible. They were down on numbers. Um, we know Rowan Marshall went off the ground uh, late in the game. They lost, I think, someone else earlier in the contest as well. Yeah, they had like nine on the bench, and Dan, both the doctors were treating different players, and Dan Butler, who had a huge split and his nose was pissing butt, was treating himself. He had no doctors around. He was rummaging through a medical kit trying to get gauze and shove it up his nose. And yeah. And no was, one to treat him. It was Dougal Howard who went off. That, that's the player. And he yes. was, of course, mining uh, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Mackay. Yeah, so Carlton should have been able to capitalise on that. They didn't, but full credit to the Saints. They keep themselves strangely in the uh, the conversation. But, um, yeah, it was a frustrating night to watch, given your text. Um, no doubt. Now we move to another frustrating oh. game. I don't, I don't know how this happened. We both watched the Essendon Football Club 
<laughs> play against West Coast. What's the matter? No, no, I, just, I back Sydney 1 to 39. I'm just, uh, and, and of course, they're up by 10, but they just. They're a team that is playing finals, theoretically. But they just – their MCG form at times is really strange. strange. It's, it's strange. strange. And to be – look, full credit to Essendon again. They kept coming. Um, Merritt, three goals, Stringer two, right with a couple. Um, it, 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 the, the ladder right now, as I look at it, right, so Melbourne on top, 48 points. Then it goes Geelong, Brisbane, Fremantle, 44, a game behind them. And then Carlton, Collingwood, a game behind them. And then there's – uh, Richmond, Sydney, St Kilda, all on 36 points between 7th and ninth. Western Bulldogs are one away from that 10th position. It's, it's a weird year and some teams can beat some and we watch Essendon and St Kilda play the week before and then they come out and roll teams. You know, Essendon do this. I watched this full game. They, they were outstanding. They, 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 were really, they were really good. And Sydney, I don't, some people have said Sydney played really poor. I thought Sydney were actually quite good. Essendon just rose to the level, like, like, a, like a challenging side should do. Now, they're not challenging this year because of what they've done in the first half of the year. But the way they played, Merritt has an outstanding game. He kicks three goals and has a bunch of touches. Um, uh, Warner for Sydney was outstanding, like 30 touches, three goals. Uh, meters gain was out was 650 meters or something. He's mm. he's a West Australian boy and he's an outstanding talent for the Sydney Swans. But it was a surprise win to Essendon. I just don't think Sydney played that poorly. I think Essendon played how we kind of expected them to play. Yeah, I saw the first quarter and they Essendon looked out of their class. To be honest with you, Sydney had them where they wanted them, but. To be honest with you, they just didn't finish off the game. And John Longmire must be thinking, um, what is this team? Where's the consistency? They had some strange performance. We know they're good. Their best is, is very good. Yep. But I think uh, they are one of those sides that deserve to be if they make it the bottom half of the eight, and that's about it. Yep, correct. Uh, Melbourne defeat Adelaide by 29 points. That was at Adelaide Oval. Now, I didn't really expect Adelaide to challenge that much. They stayed right with Melbourne for the first half. Saw this one as well. Melbourne lost Luke Jackson before the bounce, effectively. I mean, on the day leading into it, he'd hurt his knee, so they played without a Ruckman, effectively. So Riley O'Brien had a huge game for Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide's midfielders got got a lot of the ball, but they kind of play this style of game, Adelaide, that... Yeah, they can they can stay in games and be competitive, but they just don't challenge. They they almost they don't have they 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 get a lot of the ball around. Dawson was very good. John Dawson playing on a wing, you know, Laird and Keys get their fair share, but none of them are really that damaging. They 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 almost get a lot of touches. The other team sets up defensively and then rebounds on them too easily, and that sort of is how this game went. Um, Walker was good for Adelaide. Petrarca, who hasn't been able to kick a goal to save his life this year, kicks three goals and th- two of them set shots. Um, he was interviewed after the game and spoke about he, he knew all about it. He knew how he, I think he kicked four goals, 12 coming into this game and was able to get his kicking boots back on. But really, as, it, as an entire spectacle, it was a bit of a, okay, Melbourne beats Adelaide. But and bigger picture, I think, is that Melbourne, after going through that little funk and the off-field stuff, they just look as if they've, they've gone, as good sides do, go through um, a little dip in the road in the in the, the, the mid-season, and they've emerged out of it. Of course, they've got Geelong this week, but they are, I think, back in a, a decent spot with Maxi Gorn on the cusp of returning. Yeah, apparently he's meant to be back this week. So what that is, you know, I've played in good teams, what that is with Melbourne is a motivation element. And you can't go through undefeated. It doesn't matter how good you are. You still need to beat teams. Like, every single team... Because Melbourne's the best. They still are the best. They, they always were. They lost three games. They were still the best. 
Everyone knows that. So every team is putting so much more into playing them. So they have to get themselves up every week. Which is tough. Yeah, it's really tough. They, they lose three. They have some dramas off the field. But you almost you, you hear that, oh, you've got to lose some to – it's not that, but it, it doesn't hurt, especially this time of the year. You know, re-trigger what's going on for Melbourne and then they go, oh, that's right. We're actually an you know, absolutely unbeatable team when we play well. Which absolutely. Is, which they still are. And the belief is there. And, and look, if they've put the, the May Milksham thing behind them, which we presume has been the case, there's so much upside for Melbourne now. And I think it was, you know, inadvertently, maybe the best thing that's happened to them this year. I mean, if they had gone through to around 17 or 18 and had dropped one, but they went through a, a patch where they might have started questioning themselves. And now they've got – look, Adelaide's not – the greatest victory they'll ever secure, but it is one that means that the top four is tight. It's super yep. tight. If they fall in a bit of a hole in the, in the back up, they end up playing away finals first week of the finals. And we've seen most teams can beat other teams. There's probably about four teams that can't beat anyone. Everyone else can probably beat anyone else. Yep. Uh, Geelong defeat North Melbourne by, that's right, 112 <sighs> points. If you listen to the preview on Thursday on the Shelter Footy Cast, we did mention that this was not worth watching, and it turns out it wasn't. Mitch Duncan plays his 250th game. He has 30 touches. Geelong do that really well. I reckon they do that better than any club. They go out of their way to make sure the milestone man, and it's because they've been winning games of football, but they make sure that they have a good game. I watch, I watch them play pretty carefully. Geelong, old Geelong boy, they go out of their way. Tom Hawkins, when he was playing his 300th, Joel Selwood, same thing. They literally go out of their way to make sure they either get them the ball, let them kick goals, get around them. So that was a highlight. The rest of it was meh. Yeah, but uh, Paddy Dangerfield, back in the side, kicks a goal Five in a heartbeat. Okay. So that is uh, uh, just a reassuring that he's back in the, in the side. What about Aaron Hall? First, highest, quickest, most bizarre early medi sub in the history of the game, I think. Yeah, uh, with a hammy, which well, we've we've talked about doing it in the warm up, but the worst scenario is when you do it and you start and you already lose a man after a minute or two. So the week before, he set the record AFL meters gained in a game, I believe, and then he probably had that on his mind. Had one kick, did his hammy, quickest medi sub in the history of the game. So I mean, it's not funny. He goes out. He's one of their better players and. They need, they need someone like him. And look, Duncan needs 250, 30 possessions, but this is the quick question. Hawkins, six, Cameron, four, and that's not unusual for those two. Surely just that alone means that Geelong can win the flag. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, they have every piece, don't they? I mean, Defensively. I mean, Stewart's out for another three weeks, but yeah. they've, got the def- they've got every base covered, whether they've got the leg speed and they're a bit older. But pound for pound, kilo for kilo, they are... Certainly a challenger for Melbourne, surely. Yeah, I don't think it's about leg speed or, or anything like that. It's going to come down to, you know, moments in a big game. Can they stand up? Because they haven't been able to do that. Let's be honest. They haven't been able to do that for the last couple of years, Geelong. Can they stand up when it counts? Because they have every box checked. Mm. They do. If their mid, midfield plays well, that forward line is unstoppable against most. And their back line can hold up if their midfield's not going well. So they have they have everything they need. It's just whether they can do it or not. And they've got the small forwards. And you think of Stengel, the year he's having, close, uh, narkel. They've got goal kickers to support the big boys. So, no, nah, Geelong rolling. And as I said, this week, Geelong-Melbourne, must viewing on Thursday night. Yes. Oh, that Thursday night game, is it? Oh, boy. Yeah. That's very good. I actually I'd strap myself in there. A couple of little shelters on... Maybe, maybe we could watch it together, Skate. Who knows? Collingwood defeat Gold Coast by five. This was the game of the round. Watch this one. Um, had 
pretty much everything. It had lead changes. It had wet and dry footy. It had a decent crowd out at Gold Coast at Metric. Well, Magpies draw everywhere, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, you don't see big crowds at Gold Coast. And but 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 I think the people knew that this was a big game, and it, and it was a big game. Either team could have won it. It came down to sort of a final minute, you know, final minutes um, flurry. Uh, uh, Moore gets injured. So it stops the, the game. Yep. It, it, we don't know. It hasn't been confirmed if he's done an ACL. I did hear a few people talking about it on radio today and say that he didn't have scans today. I'll tell you now, that's a bad sign because... Waiting for the swelling? Yeah, or that's correct. With ACLs, um, that, that generally doctors know if it's an ACL or not. They've got a test. They've got the ACL test that they do. They would have done that. Um, and if they do suspect it's an ACL, you need to let the swelling go down to do anything, even scans. So, look, I, I hope to God I am completely incorrect because he is their best player. Most important player. If he's, yeah. If he's not their best, he's the most important. And without him, they wouldn't have beaten Gold Coast on the weekend. No, but also without the Daycross brothers, uh, Josh oh. 19-3, and three, Nick 37, uh, rising star, just about give it a tick. Yeah, do you reckon that's wrapped up? I would have thought so. Well, very close. To, I mean, it's, and this is the this is the beauty of, of having the. I love the father son setup. By the way, I think it's just great. Yeah, so do I. The, the romance and all that goes with it. Um, Ginevan, three goals. He's a fine. They've won six in a row now. Yeah. And looking at their their next four weeks, they could conceivably go nine or ten straight. I mean, that, I know it sounds strange, but this is a team that is playing. Well, they're the informed side of the comp in many ways, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And uh, again, like what. Like no one's picked this whatsoever, but it does show exactly what you say about West Coast. Their list is not a top four list, no, right? But their culture seems like it is. And and if you remember, I think it was round one. Gentleman uh, was the one rolling around with a GoPro and putting in people's faces, and um, and Corns, <laughs> Corns came out and bagged him and said, "Oh, if you're not going to back it up, watch watched him play. He does nothing but back it up when when he needs to stand up." He stands up. He's a little shit. He just he just is a little. You. He's just a little shit to watch. Hence, I think uh, who chicken winged him uh, from the Dockers uh, got the got the time on the sidelines. Uh, Switkowski. Switkowski, correct. So he would be a shit to play with, uh, play against. You don't like watching him as if you're not a fan. But if he's on your team, he'd be one of their favourites. I guarantee. And a fan favourite as well. Yeah, because he does what he says he's going to do. Like you know, he talks. He talks the talk, but he walks the walk. Speaking of which. Isaac Rankin, oh, four goals. Uh, they led, I think, by two and a half goals in the last quarter. It was a low-scoring game, real slog. And I thought, okay, Gold Coast should get home from here. Yep. Uh, this young bloke, he's he just about got them across the line himself. He's copped his fair share of criticism. Was he picked two? I think he was picked two. He's definitely a top five pick. Yeah. Um, Charlie, have a little, or Dan, maybe have a look at this, Isaac Rankin. But I think he's picked two, and he's, he's copped a fair bit of criticism because of the player he is, right? So... He's he's a dangerous small forward. Whether he develops into a midfielder, uh, we'll have to you know time will tell. But as a dangerous small forward, you're going to come in and out of games. You're not going to be able to have thirty touches. And so the, the general public pick three, I believe, ranking was, you know, Gold Coast take him early. You're not going to have the Sam Walsh hype. No, brown low, brown low votes. But what he did, he kicked two goals in the last quarter that were outstanding, clutch goals, and he did a lot of things throughout the game that I thought like. Gun, jet gun, and I hadn't thought that about him. So, you know, poor by me, but I've been changed. No, well, that's – and the question is, if Gold Coast become a very good side, he's going to be a key of that. If they're just mid-range and, and below that, then whether he gets attracted interest from 
Well, yeah, exactly right. Like, look at Stengel. Look at Stengel, right? Very good side. Stengel, mm. uh, small forward at Adelaide. Everyone sort of thinks, oh, what is he? Goes to Geelong in a very good side. That sort of player is required. In a good side, you need those, especially with Hawkins and Cameron. Well, Rankin would be that. But you've got to think, you know, King's been missing from the Gold Coast lineup. Um, Casbold and Choll stood up again like they were outstanding, but Collingwood get the job done. So can't take credit Kudos to them. Uh, who, who do we both pick, actually? We both pick the Gold Coast, remember? Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Get done by five points. Nothing changes. Egg on the face. <laughs> GWS, the last game of the Speaking round. of egg on the face. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? GWS defeat Hawks by 22 points. Who did you pick? Well, I picked the Giants. Ah, right. And, and, and it wasn't just that. I thought, do I text Scully like an imbecile and, you know, you know it's like Carl Langdon texts me on Friday night. Now, the first team to 12 goals always wins. He did it again on Friday. I think, Bori, I know this. You've told both of us. How many times? 20, 30 times. It just a lot. does my head in. So I didn't get a text from you today. Well, why no, not? because I thought, what's the point of, of get, you know, I'll take the high road, you take the low, and see where we meet. Oh, good on you. Driving your Merc up on the high road, eh? I'm down. I'm driving my daughter's four. car at the moment. I've got a car. <laughs> Very good. If there's anyone listening that want to sponsor the show, no, the footy car. No, I've got that sort of thanks to Kia and Osmond Park. We'll talk about that at a later time. Very good. If they've got two cars, I wouldn't mind one either. Uh, Cornelio, Cornelio's back to his best for GWS. It's great to see. We we saw him in the hubs. We saw him getting followed around by a, a camera crew effectively. And, you know, he, he lost the captaincy. He, he got dropped as the captain. And we really wondered, oh, could he get back to his best? Well, uh, under uh, a McVeigh team that seems to be reinvigorated somewhat, he's been playing pure midfield minutes and shock and lo and behold he looks like the player he always should be it's it's always funny with change of coach yeah it's but, weird isn't it but roles like sometimes you can be too smart just put your best Where they, players in the middle yeah like Kelly Taranto Cornelio are the best three for GWS and they all played full mid minutes and that's what they do they're, they're that, you know, imagine them as juniors. Do you think mm. they're spending a bit of time in the forward pocket having a rest? No, they just play on ball all day and that's what they need to do. So it's been good to see. They beat a Hawthorne side. Look, Hawthorne were challenging again in this game for most of the day, but they're just lacking the quality that's required to take it up to teams. And that can be a GWS who aren't the best in the comp by no means. But talent-wise, you line them up at the moment. Yeah. And GWS, even though today, now I didn't see the match because it was the Dockers game, but was it, as torrential and as uh, heavy underfoot as uh, they predicted? It was it was wet. And so, um, you know, both teams actually play a bit of an uncontested marking game. But GWS handled the conditions a bit better. Uh, you know, Hawthorne have been taking that, that inside ball and taking the game on through the corridor. That's hard in those conditions. It really is. And, and, and if you're smart, you don't play that way. And Hawthorne didn't play that way. They tried to grind it out, which, which they have. They're starting to add that to their arsenal. But they just, again, they just don't quite have the years and the experience and the quality in them to continue it on. they just sort of up and down a little bit. So they'll continue to do that sort of stuff. But it was a good win by GWS in the end. And, yeah, I picked the Hawks. Uh, yeah, Warple, uh, James Warple, dislocated shoulder yep. from what I saw on the TV today. So He'll be done. That's uh, that time of the year yeah, where you – Yeah, uh, I've done that before. Labrum, they call that. And you, you tear your labrum and you can't heal it. And so you can try and play on, but it just it'll keep popping out. And as an inside midfielder, you can't do it. So he'll go in for surgery. That's a is that a, is that a shoulder reconstruction per se um, or not? Yeah, it, it you can have different. Types. A la Juddy? Yeah, it is. But you can have you know a labrum repair is is a type of shoulder reconstruction, and you can have you know shoulder blade um, 
fixes. You can have rotator cuff stuff. So it depends what's happened inside it. The most typical labrum repair, though, is eight to 12 weeks, and you can run after about six weeks. So I think he'd season and be close to done, but he'll have a full pre-season and get back into it and get his strength back Thank up. you, Dr. Schott. Go, Phil. Thank you. <laughs> Sound very authentic. Oh, well, it's good. Yeah, have you had a shoulder before? No, I've had a knee recall at 15. Did you? So I've still got a pin there. Yeah. ACL? Yeah, 15, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's the old style. Scar from there to there. No, it's come a long way. So uh, the shoulder's never done one, but uh, kudos to you for being able to describe it in such uh, detail. Very good. Shelter, XPA, X-Factor. We're going to give it to a WA player. Going to get a slab of beers out to them. Who we got? West Coast play well. I'll, I'll say Tim Kelly, probably his best game he's ever played, but they lose. Yeah, well, and they have obviously been few and far between these uh, Shelter, XPA, X-Factor rewards for West Coast this year for obvious reasons. And I saw him today. I think he deserves to get a pat on the back. Career best, five goals, Rory Lobb. I mean, in the end, it's a difference between winning and losing. He's a frustrating player. He's an enigmatic player. He's a brilliant player. Um, But today, we saw a lot of what makes Rory Lobb the, the talent we have known for a long time that he has. He's putting together a season this year as well. He's he's, uh, he's become – Tabernay, he's been in and out of injury, and Tabernay had one good game there and kicked seven or eight goals. But, you know, having a lob, how big he is, having played on him, he, he's like a um, Mackay from Carlton. He's like a Norton from the Bulldogs in his length. You know, he might not come across as the strongest player, and he's, and he's not, but because of his length – he can get himself in positions where he can either get a free kick or he can put himself in a position to mark it. So I think we get a slab of XPAs off to him. And, uh, yeah, we're not sure where he's going to play next year, to be brutally honest, Ooh. because the Dockers obviously had to try and make sure he stayed here this year. But Roy Lobb, he gets the X factor for us this week, thanks to uh, Shelter XPA. And whether he is a Docker next year or on the East Coast, uh, we wish him well. Now, regional footy roundup, a slab of beer going out to the best regional footy story. And this week is coming from the Cogent Up Football Club, the Cougars at Cogent Up. <laughs> the Shelter Footy Cast Instagram page, you can put it in there. You can follow the link tree in there if you've got a story for, from a regional footy around the traps. Or you can send an email straight to footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au. Now, Cogent Up Football Club, the Cougars, I spoke to a man down there, don't know his name, just Dodge. Dodge, right, Dodge. Now, he's in his 60s. Over the last three years, COVID-related, you know, they've, they've been COVID-related, they're in a regional town in Cogent Up, so they haven't had the travellers coming in, that, and a lot of you know people have moved back to the city in order to get work. They haven't had the numbers. So Dodge, in his 60s, in the last three years, have played over 40 games in the seniors, and I watched him train, watched him out there with Dustin Fletcher. He's running pretty pretty bloody well. So did Dodge. he come out of retirement? No. He's, he's never, just kept going. He's never retired, mate. So Dodge is running around out there. The, the story that was told to me by one of the young fellas, I said, what's, what's, what's Dodge's story? He goes, oh, look, I don't really know. I haven't been here too long. But pretty much, instead of having some, uh, some sheep dogs running around to <laughs> round up the sheep, Dodge just runs around after him and, and chases himself. himself. Mate, Dodge, I, I, I salute Dodge, and I think we can get a slab of beers out to him. In his 60s, well played. These are the great country footy stories that uh, you sometimes don't hear of, but what what are you likely to be doing in your 60s? I mean, are you there yet, or...? <laughs> 
哦哦哦，喂，哎哎，别闹，没有，有有没有？啊，我 early fifties， but thank you， but you know feeling in my body and in my brain and my looks in my sixties， but thank you， Scully， I'm hoping to be still breathing， that's the that's the aim in your fifties， given in all seriousness with what's happened this year with a lot of people who are in my vintage， just to stay upright and Dan's pissing himself on the side， that's great， you know you young blokes wait till you add another ten or fifteen and then you get get in the gas and see you pull up the next day， but thank goodness I'm on dry July。So you yes. both can go and drink shelter. I'm just going to have a little breather. You're leaving all the shelters to us, mate. It's been fun <laughs> like usual. Very good. We appreciate your time today, Skip. We know you had a big day. Uh, well done. Pleasure. Socials, you can find us, Shelter Footycast on Instagram, YouTube. You know where to find us. You can search Footycast, Backchat or whatever else. Listen to us on podcast. And I'm going to take my Julius Marlowe. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have a couple of shelters and knock right off. Go look. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.